Uh, go ahead and if you're taking notes, which I suggest you should, um, not just because I'm preaching today, but um, at all times. Go ahead and write down uh, on purpose and in power. On purpose and in power. When I sent that to Natalie, I had switched it, but I didn't switch it on my notes, so I almost said the wrong title. But that is our title today, On Purpose and in Power. Um, I want to talk today a little bit about the keys of the kingdom. Um, It's something, a theme that Pastor Jesse talks to us quite a bit about, and so I'm going to dive into that a little bit today. But before we get into what I mean by the keys of the kingdom and what I mean by On Purpose and in Power... Uh, I want us to establish something. I want us all to agree upon this one thing, to settle upon this one thing today, and it's this. I believe it is uh, key for us to understand that we serve a God who does not need our help uh, and who can do all things in and of himself. God God is not in desperate need for our help, right? He's not. However, God, because he's such a good God and such a gracious God, he doesn't need our help, but he decides to bring us along for the ride anyways, right? This is the God that we serve, is that he created us to be in in this community with him. And so everything that God, everything our God seeks to do in the earth, he uses humanity to see to it that that comes through to completion. And so we have to understand that God, he decides to bring us along. He decides to partner with us. See, this is very key for us to understand. That God not only desires relationship with us, right? But he also desires partnership with us. See, those are two very different things. I have a lot of friends, but I don't have a lot of business partners. You see the difference? See, God not only desires relationship with us, but he desires partnership with us. And so with that understanding... Uh, I want us to pray, and then we'll get right into the word. Father, God, I come before you, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word that you placed on my heart, for the opportunity and the privilege it is to share it with your people today. Uh, Lord, I can't do this without you. And so get me out of the way. Let it be your word spoken, uh, not mine. Let it be your heart shared, not mine. Uh, completely take reins of uh, these next several moments, um, and let me just be your mouthpiece, Lord. We give you praise, honor, all the glory, and everybody said Amen. And so, uh, again, we serve a God that desires not just relationship with us, but he desires a partnership with us. See, we know that he wants relationship because in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. See, this is the picture of God breaking bread with his people, of having community and relationship with people. How many know you don't just sit at a table and have lunch or have dinner with someone that you don't really know, right? If you're breaking bread with somebody, if you're you're grabbing lunch with somebody, it's because you have some type of relationship, some type of friendship with them. And so this is a picture of God saying, look, I want relationship. I want friendship with you. But then furthermore, we know that he wants partnership Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it reads like this. It says that as God partners, excuse me, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept uh, uh, this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. It says as God's partners, don't just accept the gift and ignore it. No, he's saying there's there's more to the story. There's, There's more for us to do, right? We are God's partners now. And so with that, I want to get into the keys of the kingdom 
See, I don't know if I cited that verse, but there's a verse in Matthew 16, and, and what it says was, I might not have given this to Natalie, but what it says is, is Jesus says, I've given you all authority, and I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Is this it? There it is. It says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. See, he's given us the keys to the kingdom. Right, that we're, we're driving this thing. The Lord has partnered with us. He's entrusted us to fulfill the work that he's already began in this earth. He's entrusting us to continue the work, amen? And so he's giving us the keys to the kingdom. And there's three things that I want to remind us quickly that keys do. Keys do three things. One, they grant access. Two, they open doors. And number three, they give authority. See, we need all three of those levels of what keys do in and for us, right? See, because we can have access to something, but just because you have access to something doesn't mean you're going to eat it, right? I could have access to whatever's in the fridge, but if there's just tuna in there, I might not, I might not have the tuna. You know, I might not take advantage of my access. So you can have access to something, but that doesn't mean you open the door. So it grants access, and then it allows you to open the door. How many know that when you open the door of the kingdom that there's more than just tuna in the fridge, Amen. And so it gives you, it grants you access, it opens doors, and then it gives you an authority that not only do I have the ability to have access to it, to open the door, but now I can take for the advancement of the kingdom whatever's uh, behind that door to take, amen? I have access and I have the authority to take it. And so we need all three of those things. Understand, just write that down quickly, is the keys grant us access, they open doors, and they give us authority. And now in Matthew 16, 19, I already read it. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. And today I want to talk about two things that when given the keys happen in our lives. Two things. And the first thing is this. Keys give us, number one, purpose. Keys give us purpose. And now I'm, going to be, I'm going to be fairly quick today. Um, I have a rule of thumb for myself that whenever I present, uh, whenever I speak, um, what I do is if I want to go 20 minutes, then I plan for 10 minutes just because I talk a lot. And so uh, if I plan for 20 minutes, then I would go for an hour. And so we plan for about 10 minutes today. And so hopefully we're going to be concise and we're going to get to having some lunch. Amen. So number one is this, is purpose. Our keys give us a purpose. God made us on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. God is, is a purposeful God. He's an intentional God. And so what happens is when we accept this gift of the keys of the kingdom, there is a purpose on our lives. Now, I want us to define purpose because in this world and in this current, the current climate of, of the society that we live in, you talk about purpose a lot. I'm just trying to find my purpose. In fact, it's funny, the generation, I believe we're in, we're in Gen, are we in Gen Z or Gen X? Is it Gen X? I'm Gen, I'm, so we're in Gen X, but I'm Gen Z. Anyways, so the, this, this current generation, this current generation, it's funny because they put purpose first, and then through that purpose, they find the career, right? The generations past, what they did is they, they would find their career, and then if they found their purpose in life along the way, then, then so be it. But this is a purpose-driven culture. This is a purpose-driven society which is not a negative thing inherently, but if we as the church don't define what purpose is, then it gets skewed very quickly. And so today I want to define for us what purpose is. See, purpose is not your career. Your purpose is not what you do. Your purpose is not uh, where you work. No, your purpose 
It's the very thing that defines your life, and it's the reason for your existence. And your purpose, uh, your God-given purpose, is to glorify God, and we're going to talk about that in the moment. In, in, a, in a moment. So understand that purpose is not just what we do. It's not just what, where we go for work. It's not just where we went to school or, or, or what we're doing in our lives and in our careers and in our accomplishments. No, our purpose is more than that. Our purpose is the very reason we're, we were created. And so when you have a God-given purpose, listen to me, because this is not popular, not even in church today. This is not popular. Our God-given purpose comes first to everything else in life. It's first, before everything else in life, our God-given purpose comes first. See, the enemy, he wants to boil down your purpose in life to just casually going to church when there isn't something better going on. You hear what I'm saying? He wants to boil down your purpose to, yeah, I'll go to church when I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian, me too. Yeah, we're a Christian. But it's like, oh, what church do you go to? Oh, well, sometimes I go here. Have you ever heard this? Like, oh, you're a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian all my life. So where do so you go to church? Oh, well, uh, I forgot the name. I, I, these are, I'm serious. I, I'm not the only one that's heard, had conversations like this. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Well, uh, where's your church at? Oh, it's, um, man, I haven't been there in a while. It's, uh, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and please hear my heart. I, I'm not trying to be critical or be judgmental of anybody. But I'm just trying to show us here. That God has a purpose for our lives. A big part of this purpose is being committed to your body, is being committed to the body of Christ, is being committed to the church in which God has planted you, right? And the enemy wants to boil down your purpose in life to just casually going to church, casually praying maybe before your meal, casually reading your Bible when it pops into your brain and you have nothing else to do, right? It's just this casual walk with the Lord. No, no, our purpose is intentional and our purpose is, is much bigger than what the enemy wants to boil it down to. And so we have to understand, and, and this is not in my notes, but I just feel it in my heart right now, is understand that when pastor and your leaders and your, even your friends in your life, when they're telling you get to church, when they're telling you put church first, put God first, put the word of God first, put prayer first, put your time with the Lord first, right? They're not, they're not saying this because they want you to follow you know, the, the rules of the Bible and, and just fall in line and do what everybody else does. No, 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 this is life giving to us. And it's in services just like this. It's in opening your word just like this and in prayer just like we were doing before a service. It's in those moments and in those devotions in our life where God, he gives us purpose and he gives us life. And so our purpose in life, it comes first. And I'm about to get into more detail of what our purpose is. But we have to understand that our purpose, it comes first. It, it, it comes before now all in order and that's another teaching for another day but it comes before friends it comes before family it comes before your workplace it comes before sports it comes before your hobbies it comes it comes before all of that your purpose in life is first and so we can't mistake that see God has purposed you he's created you for more and and maybe you're new to this the whole church and Jesus thing maybe you're getting back into it or, or maybe you've been in it for quite a while but wherever you are I want to tell you for the first time or I want to remind you today that God has purposed you and created you for more than you could ever imagine and so if we can go to Isaiah 61 I'm going to read a, a few verses, and this is one of, I believe, one of the most just profound pieces of scripture in the Bible. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking, and it says this. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, 
For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me. Listen to these words. It says, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time, watch this, the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. In verse 3, it says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair in their righteousness. They will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And I love that last part. The Lord has planted. How many that the Lord has planted you, not only in the church, he's planted you in a church, not only in the word, and he has planted you in the word, not only in prayer, but he has planted you in prayer. He has planted you in this relationship, in this community with the heavenly father. The Lord has planted you. See, everything about this walk with Christ, it has not been casual. It has been intentional. See, and this is our purpose. It says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. See, that right there is enough. The Lord has anointed me. The Lord has purposed me. The Lord has called to me. See, he's made me on purpose, for a purpose. And see, Jesus quotes this. If you you know scripture, you, you know that in Luke 4, Jesus actually quotes this very passage of scripture. And he says the same exact thing. He's teaching in a synagogue. And he opens up a scroll and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me. He begins to read this passage of scripture in the synagogue. And he, de- he does this very intentionally really to announce and to, and to uh, show everyone who he truly is. And Jesus, what he was saying in the synagogue as he read this scripture is he was saying, look, I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a rabbi. I am the one that you've been waiting for. I'm the one that God has sent. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That he's anointed me. And see, this is our purpose because yes, Jesus quotes this and he quotes this about himself. But understand this, that when Jesus gave us the keys to his kingdom, He was giving us the purpose and the anointing for which the Lord sent him. And everything that Jesus came to accomplish and to to bring forth in the earth, he has now given us the keys to continue to drive that same vehicle in the earth now. And so I look at this piece of scripture and I understand that it's indicative of, of who Jesus is, who Jesus was and who Jesus will forever be. But it's also indicative of what's on my life. It's, it's indicative of, of what's on your life. Is when I read and, and this, 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 this piece of scripture, it's life-giving to me because it reminds me that I'm made on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. You know what your purpose is? To preach this gospel, to bring this good news to the poor. Whether you're here in the four walls, whether you're at work, whether you're at a a ball game, wherever you're at, your purpose, which comes first at all times, is to bring good news to the poor. So we are a church. Amen. Give him praise. We are a church that has been made with with a purpose. See, listen, uh, and, and I hear my heart because I say this with all the love and all the compassion in my heart. But church, we cannot afford to be stagnant and complacent anymore. 
Can I just tell you for a second? Maybe you're being told this for the first time, or maybe you've heard this several times, but I want to remind us today, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and it's upon this church, it's upon the rock and the revelation of who Jesus is, that Jesus says, upon this rock, upon this revelation of who I am, I am Jesus, I am the messianic king who you've been waiting for. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this is something, man, if God, excuse me, if Jesus is God, and if Jesus is true, then every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and proceeded from the mouth of Jesus is not just true, but it's truth and it's eternal. That means the same church that Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail over 2,000 years ago, when he said that, it remains true today. And so I read this passage of scripture, and I read that passage of scripture, and I say, wait a second, he's given me the keys of the kingdom. That means the same purpose, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, he's anointing me. That same purpose, that same anointing, that same calling, it's on my life. And the same promise rings true, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. That means when I step out in my purpose, I cannot lose. That the church of Jesus Christ cannot lose. And it's not in our own strength, it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by his spirit that we have victory. See, we cannot afford to be stagnant, we cannot afford to be complacent. And I want to remind us, you are the church, this is the church, we are the church. And the church, it's not a social club. The church, no, it's not a weekly get together. No, the church is so much more. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and he has promised to build his church. And whatever Jesus has promised to build, I promise you one way or another, and with all the patience, love, and compassion in my heart, with or without you, it will be built. Because Jesus said it will be built. And he's just giving us, I want to encourage us this afternoon, because he's given us the invitation. He's given us the opportunity to come be a brick, to come be a builder, to come, come be a part of what he will undoubtedly do in this earth. He's invited us along for the ride. Do we not see? He's giving us the keys. He, he's giving us the opportunity to jump in the car and drive it ourselves. And, and God willing, the Holy Spirit is backseat driving. But as a matter of fact, he's leading the thing. He's in the car with us, but he's given us the opportunity to put the keys in the ignition and go. And so I want to encourage you when I say, come on, we can't be complacent. We can't be stagnant anymore. I hope you don't hear a critical voice and a critical heart behind that. I hope you hear an invitation and an encouragement to get on board and to use the keys that he's placed in in your hands. See, he's promised to build his church and And he's promised that the gates of hell, it it shall not prevail against it. And see, we can't be complacent. We can't be stagnant. We can't be immobile. An illustration that I heard another pastor share long ago is, uh, he said this. He said, wait a second, I thought about this scripture. And it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. But wait a second. Gates don't move. Gates Gates are still gates are immobile and so if we are to conquer the gates of hell that means we are to move if we are to take down the gates of hell if they will not prevail against us that means we have to be intentional we cannot be stagnant we cannot be uh, immobile we have to go 
and we're busting through those gates just like Jesus did when he took the keys from death and hell. We're busting through those gates and we're pulling out people from the pit of hell. This is the reality that people are either going to heaven or to hell, but God has given us the keys of the kingdom to welcome in whoever would accept the invitation. He's given us a purpose. And number two, he sees he's made us on purpose and, and now he's sending us in power. And that's our second point tonight is that the keys, they give us purpose, but the keys, they, they also give us power. If we can pull up Mark 16, verse 17. The keys, they give us power. What? See, I just, I just believe what Jesus says. And, and, and honestly, let me read it first. It says this. It says, these miraculously, excuse me, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. Watch this. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Watch this. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And they will be healed. This is the word of God. See, I just want to, I just want to make it very clear that the church of Jesus Christ is what it's meant to be here at Momentum. We're not perfect. In fact, I tell people all the time, give grace to your, your brothers and sisters, give grace to your leaders, give grace to everyone because we're imperfect humans advocating for a perfect God. But in the same breath, I remind people that we believe what the word of God says. See, we are spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Bible-believing believers who will lay hands on the sick and see them recover, who will speak to dead things and watch them come back to life. No, we're not here for a religious check mark. We are not here to get our, our weekly Bible fixing. No, we are here to be equipped and to be planted and then to be sent out so we can watch this manifest. So the Holy Spirit would be made manifest, not just in these four walls, but at your workplace. And at, and at grocery stores and in, and in amusement parks and at the fair. and See, the enemy is coming hard. And we're hearing of crazy things all day. Last week, someone gave me a call. They needed prayer. They, 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 uh, they had just been stabbed a few days before and they were recovering. I heard in the same week that the, at the state fair, it was, being, uh, it was being shot at. People were being shot at. And see, crazy things are happening in this world. And the Christians, the believers, we need to go in power and do what God has commissioned us to do. And I say this, if we run and if we hide, things are not going to get better. Show me one thing. Name me one thing, one nation, one community, one person. Name me one thing that has gotten better for Christians leaving it. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. And this, this nation, imperfect in, in, in all its imperfection and in, in all its flaws, and, and we don't worship a nation, but we honor where God has planted us, and, and we take pride in where God has planted us. And so this nation, though imperfect, was founded upon the word of God. In God we trust. And this nation needs to get back to that root. I'm not saying humanity has been perfect. I'm just telling us that upon what the nation has been, what the nation was founded upon, we need to get back there. And for that to happen, the church has to rise up in power. We have to rise up in power. 
See, we have been given power from on high to heal disease, transform lives, and raise dead things back to life. We have been given the key of power. And I'm telling you right now, you're saying, well, John, I hear what you're saying. That sounds awesome. No, I want to tell you, if I could look every one of you in the eyes and make you believe it, I would. But I'm telling you, you, and not some later version of you once you feel you're a little more holy. No, not some future version of you once you feel that, you know, you have enough anointing. No, no, no. Right now, as you accept Jesus, he has given you the key of power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You say, why don't we see it? Well, when was the last time you laid hands on somebody? Why aren't people getting saved? When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? See, when the, when the church loses its voice, the world loses its mind. The church needs to get loud again. See, I just want to be honest. I think the whole church thing, like, honestly, is one of the most fun parts of my life. Honestly. I mean, I love worshiping, getting up here and getting to worship the Lord and being right here and getting to tell people about the Jesus that changed my life and and all the rest of it, the community and everything, church, to me, because I believe that I've experienced church the right way. Church is, is fun to me. And I know it seems like a, a very, a, kind of a simple statement, but I'm getting to something here. See, the church is not boring. And I think what, what, what maybe um, false preconceived ideas and maybe even at times our, our own religiosity, we've made church a bit boring. And to the world, church has become boring. But I think it's time for church to be fun again. I think it's time for church to be fun again. And, and what I mean by that, I'm not suggesting that we do icebreakers on Sunday afternoon. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not su- suggesting that. I remember in, when, you know, when Paul and Vanessa, years ago, when they were leading the youth group, they would do crazy stuff, right? And... They would do like hot Cheetos and pickles and all types of crazy stuff. And that's great. The youth can do that all they want. I won't do it, but, right? So I'm not suggesting like crazy icebreakers on Sunday afternoon. There's a time and a place for that, and we love that. But when I say that church needs to be fun again, I just refuse to believe the notion that church is boring when blind eyes are opening. See, church is not boring when limbs are growing back. Church is not boring when dead things are, are coming back to life. And for those of you that have experienced that freedom in worship and in song to the Lord, I'm telling you, church is not boring when you, when you can get this moving and when you're praising the Lord and when the spirit, he comes and encounters your heart. See, we don't do this. And, and, I, and I love right here when, when we're all dancing and we're singing to the Lord because there's a freedom there. There's something fun that happens there. It's the Lord encountering our spirit and and we're coming into one and we're uniting with the Father and and we're giving him praise and we're giving him worship. See, church is not boring when it's done the way it's intended to be. When dead things are raising, it's not boring. When blind eyes and deaf ears are opening, it's not boring. When people are getting healed and lives are getting transformed and hearts are being changed and families are getting restored and addicts are being set free, it's not boring. But we, we have made it boring because sometimes, and I'm guilty of it just the same, sometimes we come in here and, you know, for, for you know, my routine, I guess you can say, is I come in here, I turn on, you know, I turn on the sound system and we get moving worship and then we pray a little bit and we sing some songs and we hear the word and then we go home and we do it again next week. 
But if we stop, and someone said this, I posted it on my Instagram story. Follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, I posted it on my Instagram story. Someone said it like this. Uh, maybe we should stop treating church like a country club and start treating it like a training ground, like an equipping center. Like, like when I come here, God's trying to put something on my life that I can take out there, a purpose and a power. See, church is not boring. It's time for the church to get loud again. I, I said it a second ago. When the church loses its voice, the world loses its mind. The church needs to get its voice back. I was watching just, just before church, actually. I was waiting in my car, and, and I was watching football highlights. Um, I was getting prepared to bring the sermon. Anyways, uh, let's pretend I was watching. I was watching football highlights yesterday, not before church. And uh, in these... I, there were Pat Mahomes highlights. I like, like Pat Mahomes. I'm a Cardinals fan, but Pat Mahomes is dope. Anyways, so what one of the announcers said is uh, he's, they're about to score a touchdown, and they're, they were playing away. Uh, and so as they're about to score the touchdown, the announcer says, it's about to get real quiet in here, right? Because they're playing away. The away team is about to score a touchdown. The announcer says, it's about to get real quiet in here. Then it gets quiet because the, the opposing team scores. And the announcer says this. Watch this. And I took offense to this. The announcer says, Oh, it sounds like a church in here. I said, he ain't been to church where I go to church. Right? He, he, he doesn't know the church that I know. He doesn't know the church that we're raising up, that we're equipping. He doesn't know the church that we're giving a voice to. He doesn't know the church that, come on, I, I know it's just a silly comment by a football announcer, but the Lord has put a praise in my, in my heart and a song on my lips. See, the church of Jesus Christ was not meant to be quiet. The church needs to get loud again. The devil has come loud. The enemy has come loud. We need to get loud again. We need to get active again. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. And I'm almost done here today. Let's go to Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 2 through 11. One of my favorite pieces of scripture. It, it's often referred to as the gate called beautiful. And it reads like this. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Does it continue? Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. <laughs> and great grace was upon the church. And, and, and if we would be uh, so humble and if we would posture ourselves to receive, I believe that same dispensation God is pouring out on his church in this day, in this hour, in this time. See, I, I just believe it. And, and, and see, 
I believe maybe if we just got into it, because the scriptures tell me that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if I don't got enough faith in me, maybe I ought to get in my word a little more. Maybe I ought to be with the Lord anymore, a, a little more. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as I read this, I just, I just believe it. There's something that God is doing to my spirit in this season of my personal life. I'm, I'm speaking to you personally where I'm just believing this more and more. And, and sometimes I just feel like walking into grocery stores and just laying my hand on the cashier. And there's not even anything wrong with them. But I just believe that an arm's going to break and then be healed just for the heck of it or something. And I just believe it. But see, watch this. When we meet outside, when we meet them outside these walls, when we meet the lost, the hurting, the broken, the lame, when we meet them outside the walls with the power God has sent us in, we're not going to have to beg people to come to Sunday service. See, I, I think we've got it backwards. We're saying come in, and then once, once you get it figured out here, we'll go out. No, God is saying go and get them. Go out to the highways and the byways. Bring in anyone that will listen, that they may come sit at my table and feast with me. See, we are to be sent out. You know what, Joan, I hear you, I hear you. So next Sunday at 1.30, I'll be out there and I'll be ministering to people. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't forsake the assemblies of the saints. But this is a training ground. This is a, a, a training center. That was prophesied over this church. This is a training center. We're raising people up to go out and seek and save that which has been lost. In pur on purpose, in power. This is what we're called to do. See, we, we must be a church that operates in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let it not be said of us like it is of the churches and the epistles that they had a form of godliness, but they denied the power. Amen. No, we are a church that operates under the power of the Holy Spirit. See, power, watch this, power is the kingdom key that opens the door to signs, wonders, and miracles. See, we can have a purpose, and we can understand that our purpose is to serve the Lord, tell others about Jesus, and, and we can live a pretty good Christian life. But it's when we get to revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit that anoints my hands to lay them on the sick and see them recover, to lay them on blind eyes and, and see them open, deaf ears and see them hearing. See, it's the power Power is the kingdom key that opens the door to signs, wonders, and miracles. So just imagine that with me for a moment. Imagine a church that moved on purpose and in power. Imagine that. No, I mean really. Because, and, and, and it's encouraging because I've seen at times I'll go into shopping centers, grocery stores, or wherever I'm at. And I'll see people, you know, Jesus saves on their shirt, on the shirt, or Jesus loves you, you know, and I have those shirts too. It's great. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing that. But imagine a church that had Jesus loves you written all over them. Uh, and imagine, and, and this is, I, I love, I love the word of God because I, I'm reminded of, of the prophet uh, Elisha, right, who, he has this really great victory with the Lord. I believe on Mount Carmel and, and the fire from heaven comes down and burns a sacrifice. And if you don't know the story, it's a great story. Some, somewhere in 
Second Kings, is he? I'm getting confused. Go read it. Go find it. Prophet Elisha. And, and it's this great victory. And then, and then he has this moment where they, they now are giving him death threats because of the victory the Lord just gave him. And now he's running uh, to shelter. And he's saying, oh, Lord, I'm the only one, Lord. Why don't, you know, I'm the only one that's prophesying in your name. I'm the only one, Lord. And he's like, you, you silly guy. He's like, get up from there. What are you doing? He said, first of all, you're not the only one, right? And so I say that to say this. Is there's two things that's so encouraging just right there for me. Is the Lord says, there's 700 more prophets in my name, right? So th- this, because maybe... And this is just, I mean, it's not my faith. It's not what I'm praying for. But maybe not everyone gets this. Maybe not everyone captures purpose and power and goes, therefore, right? But I just want to encourage you as an individual, never let that discourage you. Because even though you may seem like you're far uh, in proximity to others right where you're at, I can assure you, you're not the only one. The Bible says, take heart for there's brothers and sisters around the world enduring the same suffering you are. So you're not the only one. But I also want us to see in in the same breath how much of an impact just one individual can make. See, Elisha was just one prophet, but he called down fire from heaven, and he began to turn the tides of a nation. If, If God can do that through one man, through one man, you know, God is in the business of making insignificant things and insignificant people into powerful vessels for the glory of God. This is the business that he's in. And so I look at stories like, like, like Jesus, and I look at stories like Abraham, and, and I look at stories like Elisha, where one person made a difference, like Esther, where one person made the difference, not, not in friend groups, not in cities, not, not in just regions, but in nations. And I wonder what would happen if a few people right here in Avondale, Arizona, I wonder what would happen. If a few people that were faithful to the word of God and just believed him at what he said, what if we said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to go out. What difference in the world, what difference in this region, what difference in the nation and in this generation can we make if we say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I take those keys and I go on purpose and I go in power. I, I just want to, as we close, I just want to go back to that scripture in, uh, I want to read it out of my Bible, though. In, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll close here in just a second. So I, I read the, the first part of the verse for you. I want to read the rest, uh, or I want to read verse 2 as well. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1 and 2. Watch this. It says, as God's partners... Say, I'm God's partner. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Watch this. Come on, because I believe this. And I believe this is a word not only for all people, but a word right now for Momentum Church. A word for you personally and us corporately. I believe this is a word. This is at just the right time I heard you. At just the right time, I heard you. Pausing on purpose. Let that get in your spirit. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. 
It says, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. See, I, I just feel this in, in, in my heart right now because I feel like maybe at times we say things like, at the right time, God will do it. At the right time, it'll come. At the right time, we say things in God's timing, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just feel like the Lord is saying this to us right now. He's saying, at just the right time, I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. He says, indeed, the right time is now. Look up and see fields white. They're ripe for harvest. Jesus said, pray for more workers, because the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And I would just, I would just beckon the question today is, are you willing to answer that call? Are you willing to look up? See, I, I just want to stress it just one more time is that God has called you to so much more than you, than you realize maybe right now. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. We have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, with the creator of the universe and of our very souls. We have relationship through Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. He has called us to partnership and everything he sees, to, sees fit to do in the earth, he does it through us. And indeed, as we've, been, as we've been teaching, indeed it is the day of salvation. It is the hour of recompense, of payback to our enemies and everything that the enemy has stolen and, and come to destroy. No, the, 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 the Lord is paying it back. And, and what about a church? Imagine a church. It says, no, the Lord says that the enemy owes me. Enemy, it's payback time. At some point, let me tell you, at some point, the church just gets too expensive for the devil. At some point, your life will just get too hot for the enemy to hold. He says, oh, wait a second. He, he, he's figured me out. He's realized. She's realized. They've realized. They've got a purpose. They realize that God's put an anointing on them. They realize that they've got power, that he, he's given them the keys. They realize that the gates of hell shall not prevail, and they've gone forth, and they continue to move on purpose and in power. The enemy says, I, I just momentum church are too hot for me to hold. No, they're just too expensive for my pockets at this point. I can't keep paying them back. Uh, I'm not going to keep giving up souls to them. I can't, and he has no choice, right? But that's his mindset. I can't keep doing that. I can't keep. I, I just, I'm just going to let them do what they do, and I'm going to go somewhere else because momentum, they, they've got a revelation. Momentum, they understand who they are. It is indeed the day of salvation. It is indeed the hour of recompense. And there is a lost world outside these walls, and they are relying on you. They don't know it yet, but they're relying on you to pick up the keys of purpose and of power. And see to it that the kingdom of God advances by force. For the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent shall take it by force. This violence is not a violence uh, of, of physical war, but of spiritual war. That I know who I am. I know who he is. I know who he is in me. I know that he's called me on purpose, in power. And now I'm advancing the name of Jesus Amen. with my whole life. Amen. Come on, our God is good. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise.